Archaeology Podcast. This is Kirsten Lopez, and I have here with me a couple of attendees from the Northwest Anthropological Conference. Uh, Michelle North. Hi, uh, I'm Michelle North. I'm a graduate student at Portland State, and this was definitely not my first NWAC, but a very exciting one. And Emily Tabor. Hi, I'm Emily Tabor. I am a recent graduate from Portland State University, and right now I am a CRM archaeologist. I've done a mix of federal and CRM uh, private sector archaeology for about the last 10 years at this point. And also not my first NWAC, but agreed, also a, a very good and memorable one. And I'm Kirsten Lopez, a normal host of the podcast, which you may recall if you've listened to some of our previous episodes. So we are going to recap this conference a little bit at a time as our memories service. It is now about close to a month afterwards, which it is stacked very closely to SAAs, which I also attended, and you'll probably hear another recap of that here shortly. So, on that note, for myself, some of the more memorable things that happened for me at uh, NWAC this year was the fact that I went as a student liaison for the Association of Oregon Archaeologists was a new hat for me, um, and the first to hold such a position uh, modeled a little bit after what Emily Tabor here actually had held for uh, Association for Washington Archaeology. So I took a little bit of inspiration from you, and uh, just browsing over what had been done, I think the position was probably modeled after what you had been able to do with with it since you had since you graduated you resigned your position this year correct uh, technically I am still serving as one of the two student directors at large but it's in a sort of interim position since next year at the NWACs many people on the AWA board are going to be up for re-election in various positions that seemed like a natural choice for a time to have me either step down or hopefully step into another role there. And along with that, that gives me some time in this coming year to try and drum up some more interest from other students to potentially step in and take over that role along with Aaron, who is the other student director at large right now. Yeah, that is one one thing. We don't have two. We just have me, <laughs> which uh, I, I feel like in some ways is it's a lot. Yeah, I think just some subtle, subtle nudging at the board. Get some help in there. Yes, for sure. Uh, AOA does not, however, have nearly the enrollment that AWA has. And that's one of the things that we're we're working towards. That's that's part of my job. Did that go up this year? I feel like so I was previously a Washington archaeologist before um, moving to Oregon for graduate school um, and then attending the AOA meeting as a result. Um, and it seemed like the turnout was fairly good. Is that is that not the usual? Or was there a higher turnout this year at NWAC than there has been previously? For the AOA meeting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was like at least four times the number of people Cakes as they usually... <laughs> Kegs will do that. <laughs> For sure. Uh, one of the things that I found that was really interesting um, was that our student enrollment went up that day. Like... So our membership had technically fallen beforehand, and after that meeting, it went up. So I don't know what the final numbers were, but it was definitely higher than it had been the previous year. I feel like that's pretty normal, though. Um, I feel like that happened to AWA as well. NWAC is always a big renewal period, and 
I'm, you know, guilty as well. I don't think I've ever renewed outside of an NWAC conference. It's just my every year checklist. Go to NWAC, renew membership, <laughs> go onward. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's, uh, first of all, I, I agree that is kind of the, the general trend for, I think, most of these uh, state organizations. And along with that, I think that while we all got good enrollment at the NWAX this year, since it was held out of Boise, and that was a bit more difficult for some people to get to. Yeah. yeah. I think in future NWACs that are in slightly more accessible <laughs> locations for a broader number of people, uh, both organizations should be able to expect slightly better enrollment, which is not to say that the membership that we have now is... Um, somehow lacking or something like yeah. that it was still a good turnout but for an Oregon and Washington like Oregon and Washington organizations being in Idaho obviously the turnout wouldn't be as high yeah. as maybe next year when it's in Oregon which is closer to both <laughs> well it's in it's in Washington wait oh that's right oh my gosh I feel like a total that's you're right it's in Kennewick next year isn't it it yeah. is yeah. it is so aside from the AOA meeting that had a hosted keg <laughs> it felt like an important thing to mention. Well, and honestly, it, we just happened to surreptitiously also be landed, like, roomed right in front of the ice cream social that NWAC was putting on. So ice cream plus beer. It's it was intentional. It was just like, oh, my God, AOA is killing it. They have <laughs> ice cream, a cake. I don't understand why everyone doesn't come here. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a happenstance and very, very nice because the keg showed up like 10, 10 minutes late, I think. So that was, that was, it helped keep people rallied. Um, so one of the things that tends to draw a lot of attendance for NWAC is the pub crawl. Did either of you attend? We both did. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It sold out pretty quick. They usually do, and it was also a little bit of a different setup this year because typically uh, it seems like the (laughs) bars are close enough to one another that people can just walk from one to the next in a more traditional pub crawl style. Stumbling distance is, I think, the (laughs) technical term. Yeah. And so that encourages more archaeologists and anthropologists who have not formally registered for the pub crawl to just sort of join along and go with but because Boise is a little bit more spread out and because of the location of the hotel kind of in, in proximity to that, it was necessary to get a couple of vehicles to move from place to place. And so we had some vans to do that to, of course, discourage drunk driving, etc. Safety. Safety yeah. first yes. at NWAC. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Alex Stevenson did a phenomenal job in, in planning that. Um, but because it was more spread out, it had a slightly smaller crowd just because you know people are less likely to call a, a lift and go from from place to place although some people did so shout out to uh the intrepid um undergrads and graduate students that uh came along <laughs> anyway yes i think uh so i wasn't able to make it this year but i did go last year for the spokane pub crawl and i think a group of us ended up wandering off uh and continued to further investigate the uh, underground bars. There were some basement bars we perused. Was there a slide? I wasn't able to come to Spokane. Um, Was there a slide? I heard there was a... A slide? I heard somewhere in Spokane there was a slide that people during the pub crawl were 
They lied to down. you. They lied to me. Yeah, I knew I it. I'm not aware I'm so, of a I'm so slide, gullible. What can I say? I'm, I'm not a heavy drinker, so I swear it's not something where I, swear I there would were <laughs> become inebriated to the point where I would not recall going down a slide. Maybe, so. maybe it was a... This uh, is what I get for not going to NWAC. Yeah, this is what you get, people. You have to go to NWAC or people will lie to you about oversized playground equipment. I mean, you have to go to could NWAC. Be, I could way. be wrong. Maybe I just stepped out when there was a slide. I have no memory I, of it, but there are plenty of things that exist. On the oversized <laughs> playground equipment. <laughs> Well, yes. you know, intrepid listeners, you'll have to tell us um, if I was <laughs> lied to cruelly by my friends, or if there actually was an oversized slide at the yeah. uh, at the end of my last year. That so. would be that would be interesting. <laughs> send pictures. Yeah. Yes, if you have them, please post them or send them to us. This so is what Facebook was made for. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, let's see. Other things that went on. We had um, a really great turnout for the fact that it was in Boise. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Generally. Because, as you were saying, I mean, most people who attend NWAC are Oregon and Washington. I mean, higher populations, really. More More universities, more archaeologists. And, you know, for a lot of people, Boise is a really long ways away. I know a couple of archaeologists from Southern Oregon weren't able to make it because it's literally like a nine-hour drive. Additionally, I think some of the attendance was impacted because I I could be mistaken about this, but I distinctly recall a sort of moratorium on conference travel for federal employees. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So there were, I, I know there are a lot of federal employees who wanted to come to, for example, if if not just to, to hang out, certainly to present. And I think that's one of the one of the downsides of this kind of limitation on, on travel like that is because it means that our peers aren't able to come and share their knowledge and that cuts down on on how we can all coordinate with one another. So yeah, yeah that also certainly to, to bring it back I think impacted uh, the turnout that we had, but that being said, I do agree that it was a very good turnout, and it was nice to have it in in Boise and give Idaho a bit more of a a chance for involvement. Since usually, I feel it's much farther away from them. Yes, yes. Usually, they're the ones that have to travel across yeah. two states to get where <laughs> we're going, so it's only fair. Yes, and it was closer to Montana, which I think is included in the NWAC region. And did we get any students I'm not, from I'm University Missoula? of Montana? I'm not sure that I saw any. I know that in the past, I've heard that it was there was an NWAC uh, that was put on in Missoula, from what I've heard. Oh yeah, that happened. So before my time, yeah, that happened. <laughs> it would be it would be interesting to see how many because I don't know that I met any, but it's hard to say because there's hundreds of people. <laughs> yes, hundreds of people uh, in, and I did also note that I did not recognize as many people this time. So it could very well be that there were more people, but as archaeologists or scientists generally go, are yeah. fairly introverted and don't always like reach out. Um, so were there any sessions or presentations in particular that stood out to you? Absolutely. Uh, I think the, I think it was called uh, Nevertheless She Persisted Women in Archaeology. Yes. That was women's contributions to Northwest Archaeology. Yeah, that was it. Women's contributions to Northwest Archaeology. That was a phenomenal uh, session that was put together. And I, in particular, I remember Kelly Bush and Sarah Campbell having just outstanding 
presentations, but they are both very, very captivating speakers. Yes. I was actually talking to some people after um, the session, and I would agree with Emily. It was one of my favorite sessions at the conference. Um, but the the speakers were given so little time, and that always happens at any NWAC, right? Like, it's always a very short amount of time that people are given within a session. Um, but there's so many speakers that could have gone on for so much longer, and there's so many stories that I would have loved to hear um, about um, really these like really impactful figures, uh, female figures in Northwest archaeology, um, that I would have loved to hear their stories. Um, and so I was joking with someone, but really I'm serious. If anyone wants to do this, you should totally do it. Um, is doing um, legends in Northwest archaeology and having these really like these pillars of Northwest archaeology come and tell their stories and just have more of a free reign to tell um, some of these stories about the beginnings of Northwest archaeology and specifically Northwest CRM because I could have sat through that for hours and hours and hours. So yeah, I totally agree. That was a really great session. There were some really fun comments and stories lots of laughter i did a quick search by the way and there is it didn't come up as a um as like university of montana as an affiliation but there was one presentation about montana okay so so yeah we had one presentation who was it what is this about um this is the archaeology of hungry horse reservoir in northwestern montana and i did not see that presentation uh that paper presentation myself but I just saw in the program that that was happening. So even, uh, I don't know the affiliations of the people who presented, um, but, but minimally, yeah, <laughs> Montana is still, still has a presence at, at NWAC. Yes, and we want to acknowledge that Definitely. because I'm sure they feel oft ignored in the regional conference yes. here. And I will also say with the timing of it, I remember when NWAC used to have 20 minutes for presentations instead of 15 where you yes. would have the, the 15 minutes to present and then uh, five if minutes you needed, for a question. Yeah, five minutes for questions and I I understand why they made that change but I I do think there were benefits to doing it the previous way. There, there are benefits yeah. both ways of course but Well and it was interesting yeah. because it felt like, I don't know how you guys feel about this but it felt very squished like mm. it was, it's normally a three day conference so and it went for basically two days and the yeah. third day was the field, field trip. trip yeah so yeah and that i i didn't go on the field trip um i do know that there were a couple of of sessions that um i thought felt a little bit cramped which is not to say anything against the organizers i think every group that that hosts an nwac has a monumental task ahead of them yes and, and there's, there's always going to be squishing and weirdness yeah um, but yeah, that's that's a consequence of it. And so having it over essentially, like you said, two days instead of over two and a half or three, I think also potentially may have prompted some people to leave earlier because they didn't have any sessions to stay around for midday. So, yeah. Yeah. I pretty much agree. I, I usually end up leaving Saturday and due to other obligations. I did leave Saturday morning, so it was kind of nice that I didn't mm. miss anything um, outside of the field trip, which I wasn't signed up for anyway. But um, So that was kind of nice, as I, I was able to actually attend decently well. I'm just going to circle back around. You were saying any sessions that really stood out. And actually, I got the opportunity to um, check out both the poster sessions. And I got to say, I was really impressed at the level of posters that came out, especially actually coming from undergraduates. 
there were some really, really impressive um, poster presentations that were given. Um, that I mean, don't get me wrong. Every NWAC has impost like <laughs> impressive sessions. I'm not trying to like say otherwise. But um, oh, no, I was no, 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 it's out there. We're <laughs> offended now. <laughs> but I was. Thank you, thank you. No, no fear whatsoever. Um, but. No, I was really impressed. Uh, there were a lot of really, really awesome ideas that came out. One that really like sticks out to me actually was um, an undergraduate, I think they were out of Western, but please don't quote me on that, um, that had come up with, with a partner, um, a electronic like um, system for identifying ceramic maker's marks. I believe that Taking was. a photo and it would auto ID and it was oh, wow. like, in my brain, I was like, oh my god, you just, like, hundreds of hours of my life <laughs> could have been saved with this one program. Uh, but there were a lot of ones like that that were just like, this is such a fresh new idea, and they were presented in such um, succinct and awesome ways. So, anyway, just nice. adding to the, the sessions of NWAC that were really impactful this year. Yeah, definitely. I do, I, I agree that I, I saw that one. It is an amazing concept that they're working with and I also think that they are from Western the one of them is an archaeologist and the second is actually a, a programmer that uh, sense. yeah and is not has not directly worked in archaeology but they are to to elaborate a little bit more they have created an algorithm that can identify fragments of, of makers marks and so right now it lists off of what they have in their database it lists off the probability that any particular maker's mark is the fragment that you have shown and they are hoping if they can expand on it more to potentially someday be able to turn it into a kind of open access program where archaeologists can go and load up their own data and make corrections and when i spoke with them they said that they had initially considered doing this with faunal archaeology but had made what I think is a very wise decision to instead use maker's marks, which for one thing don't tend to be three-dimensional. So <laughs> that yeah. and you also, know you don't a lot really fewer individual differences, like yeah. an animal depending on age and sex is going to vary a lot, even within the same species. Maker's marks and maker's mark. They have variations, but it's gonna be pretty within a pretty standard. standard. Yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, a, a lot less room for variation. Like, you know, with with bones, you might get, oh, wow, this this critter was really ill, and that impacted its osteology very greatly. And I don't think anyone has ever looked at a maker's mark and thought, wow, that was malnourished. <laughs> <laughs> the poor chamber pot. <laughs> awesome. Well, actually, that concludes our time for this segment uh, so we'll round out uh, this right now and come back and uh, chit chat a little bit more about NWAC 2018 Hey this is Kirsten again, thanks for listening If you like what you hear so far visit us on our blog womeninarchaeology.com where you can read about women in the field current issues in archaeology and find back episodes from over two years of women in archaeology you can follow us on Twitter at Women Archies, contact us via email at womeninarchaeology at gmail.com with loads of feedback. We always love to hear from our listeners. However, if you do like what you hear and wish to support us, you can visit our Patreon account. Links to that and organizations mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. This segment, we're going to dwell a little bit more on 
some of our favorite segments and if we have any particularly good stories from maybe some of the networking um, or the final evening there was a little bit of hoedown that went down yes a shindig usually a shindig So that was that was fun. I know we found Missoula people, or at least Montana people, uh, floating about in the program, and we talked a little bit about the uh, She Persisted symposium. I was, I was going to say my Thursday was pretty um, restricted because I was a discussant, and then nevertheless she persisted, so I was there for the entire session. But um, as I said, I got to the poster sessions; they were really wonderful. Yeah. Um, there were a couple interesting talks I saw. Um, outside of that, um, and there always are. It's kind of the beauty of NWAC. Mm-hmm. But um, got to see a little bit on the Plank House discussion. I forget the actual name of the the session. Yeah. I saw, I saw a bit of that, too. Because it's a month removed, I can't remember any of the <laughs> specific. I have the program pulled up on my phone, so it's not exactly the best format to scroll through and, and try and find things. Uh, but yeah, I do remember that being really good. I remember that uh, TJ Brown had a segment in that and that was fun to see, but it it's always good to see TJ as a speaker. He's he's very enthusiastic and catchy with the audience. Yeah. yeah. I, also, I also feel like I need to do a callback to, you know, it's been a month, but um, shout out to you for getting us together because getting three <laughs> archaeologists in the same place is like herding cats. And a month in grad school time, which you are in right now, feels like forever, a lifetime. So... <laughs> You know, good on you for getting us together. But yeah, uh, one of the, my, this is a silly thing to bring up, but during the, the Plank House talk, there was a lot of technical difficulties, and I was very impressed with how the speakers um, rolled with the punches there. Um, half of their uh, PowerPoints just refused to come up on the, um, the projector, and everyone rolled with it really well, and it's, you know, things to aspire to and being able to think on your feet for presentations. So that was pretty cool. I do remember that. Like I walked in partway through and there were people that were like, and this would have shown a picture of, to be able to just go with it and still be able to to say something without relying 100% on your photos, because you never know when that's gonna happen. And you cannot predict hotel weirdness because they even had their own laptops like, we did not have to bring in our own. They had their own shit that we hooked into. And so that failed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it totally happens. I would have, you know, loved to see some interpretive dance thrown in there to buy time <laughs> while people worked on the projector, but uh, generally impressed. <laughs> yes. Um, so earlier I did note that I did go to the SAAs, and the SAAs, I don't know if you guys have been. Um, I, I went to the one in Sacramento in 2011. And I went to uh, Vancouver, B.C. last year. Um, awesome. I was doing a poster presentation there, but I had not gone any of the previous years. I have gone to several uh, SHAs, but I've only hit up the one SAA thus far. Yes. Um, so then you guys know that that's a very different game. Like, yes. one of the things... You can't see us nodding, but we're all nodding. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I really love about NWACS is the fact that it's so intimate. Like, it's coming, working in the region, you're coming back around to people that you've worked with, uh, met, worked for, and it's a really great way to reconnect with people. I mean, it's I see people there that I've worked with over the last at this point six or seven years that are I'm like I know you you we work together and then you sit there and you name off projects 
for like five minutes trying well, to figure out what it is. It's something I love about NWAC is it's, it, it is generally more informal than other co uh, conferences. And something I've always loved is even if you don't know someone, chances are you know someone at the conference that knows that person. And so getting introductions and expanding your network and getting to know people is a lot less intimidating than it can be in other more formal, larger venues. Definitely. I think SAs this year had 4,000. And NWAC was what, a little over 400, 500? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So it's a tenth of the size. So it's a little bit more accommodating, easier to network. And, you know, there's always finding people at the bars and the after parties or the impromptu line dancing sessions that happen. Yeah, that was that was unexpected. I think that was it on... It was banquet. Yeah, it was at the banquet. <laughs> I don't know the details on why, but I believe it was to honor um, Mary, I think Mary Guy Petrich. There was, after the banquet, they had a planned line dancing thing and uh, a good number of people got up and were line dancing and I was in the back of the room, so I was able to hide behind empty chairs <laughs> and avoid being targeted uh, to, to go up and line dance because that is not my forte and no one needs to be exposed <laughs> to that. But afterwards, they then had a kind of more general dancing with the DJ. And I did go up and dance with a couple of people there just because I saw people that I knew and I don't want them to be dancing alone and also if they can get up and dance then I can do this for a couple of minutes that's better than seeing me line dance which is not saying much but that whole session was hilarious because line dancing happened to include most of the the tenured professors at varying universities at NWAC. Yes, so all all of the the names one might say were dancing in the line dance. And then they're like, you know, turn on the DJ music. So T DJ starts doing some sort of weird mix between disco and modern pop music. I finally decided to get up there and boogie a little bit. And there, I w did notice, especially then, that I was, even in my mid-30s, definitely by far, probably close to 20 years, the youngest person up there. And which made me giggle a little bit. We had a couple people join us, but then I realized that the room had, had vanished. Because the... that's what, I, I think is a general thing, that's what happens when you say, let's all start line dancing, which is not to say that it wasn't, <laughs> it was a wonderful idea to try, and I think a lot of people had a lot of fun with them. Very appreciated, but there are many people who are afraid of <laughs> dancing in public of any form, particularly <laughs> of line dancing. And one of the things with some of the, um, some of these tenured faculty is that they have no compunctions about pointing people out in the crowd and saying you should come <laughs> up here so that's why i was hiding behind chairs i did have one other there, there were so many good presentations that i saw and i've realized you know i think the first time you ever go to even one of the smaller conferences you feel like i have to see everything i have to see everything and then you go to a few and you realize that it's actually much nicer to just make notes of the ones that you definitely want to go see and then write down names of people that you otherwise want to touch base with afterwards and say, you know, I, I missed your presentation, but I am very interested and make sure that you spend some time catching up with all of the people that you get to see only once a year there. But I wanted to say that one of the ones that I did catch, I didn't get the whole thing, but I got the, the end of it that I thought was really good, was the session Beyond Membership Professional Service to the Society. Mm, that was a yeah. panel and the panelists 
had a lot to say about the benefits of various kinds of, of volunteer work and just ways that you can be involved in the profession outside of just for a paycheck. And I think the more we can promote that kind of, of outreach, especially amongst ourselves, then the more we can really build up our community into, into something solid. So that is something that I will always be an advocate for. And I'm, I'm really glad to see more of that and more of the focus on women's contributions to archaeology. Having those things highlighted is very important, yeah. I just want to just do a shout out to people that maybe haven't been to, you know, a thousand NWAX yet. And that's totally <laughs> okay. Um, the first time I ever went to a conference, I remember it being really overwhelming. And I didn't find all of the talks like, absolutely encapturing, right? Um, and the more I went to, the more interesting they got. And finally, um, a couple years ago, I went to the NWAC down in Tacoma. And afterwards, my boss at the time asked me, like, well, how did you like it? And I said, oh, it's the best NWAC ever. I think the talks are more interesting than every any other NWAC I've ever been to. And, she, and then she stopped me. And she said, were they more interesting than any NWAC you've ever been to? Or do you finally know enough about archaeology to get what you should have been getting out of the conference this entire I had to think yeah. about it and I realized that yes, that was an amazing NWAC, but every NWAC since then has been just as engaging. And I just want to say don't get discouraged if the first conference you go to is overwhelming or if every single talk doesn't grab your fancy. Um, because the more you go to you and the more you stick with this and the more involved you are with archaeology and with outreach and with your education, um, the more interesting they'll become and the more you're going to get out of things. Yes, there's definitely, the more conferences I've gone to, the more I want to be at all of the things. And then it ended up turning into, over the last, mostly this year, a little bit last year, was it started fading into this, okay, I really have to narrow shit down because I can't be at all the places all the time, yeah. as much as we would like to be. So it very much ended up turning into, where do I feel will benefit my own knowledge? What are some things that, whether it has to do with my area of interest or not, what are sort of the, the next steps? What, what's a push or a little bit of a reach outside of my comfort zone that will further my either philosophical, theoretical, or technical knowledge as a grad student or as an archeologist. And that's definitely pushed me um, both at the SAAs and ANWAC. The networking bit is definitely a big, a big part of it and getting to reconnect with people. As they say, you know, if you have an affiliation, people are more willing to talk to you at these kind of events. Although don't let that deter you if you, if you don't have one. That's, that's not some kind of insurmountable roadblock or something like it, it's not something Correct. that will be held against you especially NWAC. yeah <laughs> at, at NWAC I feel like everyone is is generally welcoming enough that I know sometimes we all make jokes about people being catty or being too full of themselves or this or that but I feel like overall at NWAC there's really at the NWAC there's really a small amount of that compared to many other professions and many other professional conferences not even just in archaeology but across and it's good to just get out of your comfort zone for sure yeah. present yourself because otherwise people aren't going to know um and it m makes you seem more engageable if you're willing to do that to to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and there's something else um you mentioned earlier was it chamber pots because we had ended the last <laughs> segment talking about chamber we pots we entirely so. go off that tangent that's that's the direction this podcast needs to head just yeah. the next 30 minutes on chamber pots <laughs> go 
I did have one other one other thought as well that I I realize this might come across as some kind of a shameless plug or something like that, which is not how I intend it. <laughs> as Michelle laughs, <laughs> one of my favorite things about going to NWAC is now going to the AWA general membership meeting because that is that is always a lot of fun. As I've said, I believe in a lot of that kind of uh, public outreach and involvement and building up of community and organizations like the AWA, the AOA, the OAS, all of all of these groups are great avenues to do that through and that even if you're just coming in as a member I think that I always look forward to the AWA general meeting because it's just so much fun. Yeah, and actually that reminded me, that is what I wanted to bounce off oh. of was <laughs> there you go. the association meetings and public involvement and outreach is something that has been a big theme both at NWAC and at SAA, so it's definitely the pulse of archaeology right now is, is outreach uh, both within the profession and to the public and just trying to get conversations going, trying to fight against this the comeback of ancient aliens. As um, one example. As of, one example. Yeah. <laughs> one person consistent and undying example oh my yeah. god yeah um so yeah that was an ugly example and probably on that now right Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, she's hosting her own uh, TV oh, show that uh, is talking about the other side of history. It's no. ancient aliens. It's ancient aliens with a different face. No. Anyway, just saying. It's, it's, it's a pervasive issue. Um, I definitely want to say if anyone is interested in seeing what that looks like, if you're in the Portland area um, or even in Burns, did you want to tell us a little bit about what might be going on here in the next... Yeah. Uh, very soon? Um, yeah, so I have been fortunate enough in the last year to help coordinate the Archaeology Roadshow, which is a public outreach event that happens at least this coming year. It'll be happening June 2nd on Portland State University campus and June 9th at Hines City Park in Hines, Oregon in Harney County. Um, so it's a public outreach event that introduces the public to archaeology and heritage. It really works to get people really excited about those topics, but also really invested in stewardship of these resources. And it also brings a lot of different archaeologists um, and avocational individuals and people who are just really invested in history and archaeology together in one place to talk about it and work together um, while engaging the public. It's a lot of fun. There's usually an Adelaide throw, uh, stone tool making demonstrations, samples of historic recipe beer for those who are of age, um, and various other <laughs> rotating booths that are a lot of fun. So if you find yourself in the Portland area on June 2nd or the Harney County area on June 9th, you should totally stop by and see what we're all about. Awesome. We are going to be doing a podcast table at the Portland event. I think that's probably a good place to wrap up unless you guys had some final thoughts. A friend of mine actually got an invitation from her presentation. She had done a poster on a similar thing last year and she did a, a final presentation, paper presentation for her thesis project and got an invitation to be part of a larger um, publication from All that. Right. So that is uh, a thing that can happen too. Uh, as a grad student, you can put yourself out there and people may find interest in your work and invite you to publish. So that is a, a good outlet. And I will say one thing that's kind of uh, related to that is that um, th this isn't something I can claim as my original thought. It's something that my master's degree advisor, Virginia Butler, that her husband passed along to her. He's also faculty at Portland State. And she then passed it along to me at some point. Is that every presentation you ever do for the, for the archeologists out there who are just starting to enter the profession, every presentation that you do is a job interview of sorts. And it doesn't matter what 
crowd you're giving it to mm -hmm. or what what the size what the topic if you look at it in that light people remember the way that you present and how you present yourself and so it's it's a really great way to get out there and that if you are nervous about presenting then NWAC is an incredibly supportive environment to do that in and to start building up the the repertoire for how to do that successfully so I would highly encourage you if you're an undergraduate or a graduate student who just hasn't done much presenting before talk to your advisor talk to your university see what research is out there that you are invested in that you think you can make some kind of contribution to yeah yeah, and I would also say is if you're someone who is nervous of speaking in front of a group of people, which a lot of people are, I would highly recommend poster presentations. Um, I've done a fair amount of them at this point, and it's really great because instead of presenting to a large group of people, you end up having one-on-one -on -one conversations about your research. So you still get really valuable feedback um, while not having to present to a large room of people, per se, all at once. Um, so it kind of helps break the ice there and ease you into that process. Yeah, and definitely with the posters, people who are at different levels of understanding, if you have something that's a little more uh, niche, you can speak to each person who are of varying levels of understanding. Basically, any any of the sub-niches within yes. archaeology. It also forces you to break it down. I mean, however complex your research may be, um, presenting on it or presenting a poster on it, but even just presenting in general, it can seem really overwhelming, but it forces you to break it down in a way that becomes really digestible, and that can really help you with your yeah. research. At least that's what I found. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's about it for this evening. Um, we did only take one break. How tech uh, officially? Um, Tangents <laughs> <laughs> were had. That's okay. Fine. So um, we'll go ahead and stop here. I think we have uh, our full our full table for for NWAC this year. We'll definitely revisit it again next year if you guys are interested. Oh yeah. Uh, thank you guys for joining me here at Rudy's in Portland on Powell. If you guys ever make it, it's really great pizza, and they have all sorts of dietary restricted friendly food it's which is really portland. great it's very yeah, portland very portland <laughs> craft beer and vegan food it's very very portland exactly so until next time thank you for listening Bye. and this concludes our episode special thanks to our patreon contributors this podcast wouldn't happen without you see the show notes below for links to the organizations mentioned in this episode and you can also find us on Twitter at Women Archies. You can also find us on Facebook and Patreon. Please contact us via email as well. We love to hear feedback and have new guests and fresh ideas for both the podcast and the blog. Women in Archaeology at gmail.com. We look forward to meeting you.